Right. So David Allen, who is David Allen? David Allen is an American productivity consultant best known for the creation of a time management method called Getting Things Done, which is a New York Times bestselling author. He began applying his perspective on productivity with businesses in the 1980s when he was awarded a contract to design a program for executives and managers at Lockheed. Now, the other things I want to tell you about David is that um, David is the founder of the David Allen Company, an executive coaching firm using his Getting Things Done methodology. David has written three books, Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, which describes his productivity program, Ready for Anything, 52 Productivity Principles for Work and Life, a collection of newsletter articles he has written, Making It All Work, Winning at the Game of Work and Business of Life, a follow-up to his first book. Now, in 2015, David published an updated version of Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. David, a very warm welcome to the show, and I'm terribly sorry. We've got a few gremlins today. It looks like LinkedIn is not wanting to cooperate. Are you well? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. And sorry that the that the that the demo bugs and the demo demons and the and whatever have inserted well, you... into your system. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, such is life. People have the YouTube connection as well, so hopefully we can we can get them to join us there. Now. I always thought to myself, when I read a book, I'm not, when I was young, I used to read lots of books. And recently I started to read them again, funnily enough, as a result of a pandemic. And I read this book of yours, which is Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And I, and I thought to myself, how could I describe this book? And it came, came just suddenly. And I thought, if I could go back in time, like many of us wish, to 20 or 30 years ago, when I was trying to get my stuff done, right? Um, I thought I would take this book, whack my head with it and say, read this book because there were so many occasions when I was just struggling with trying to just understand how to get things done. Having read this book, I must say it is a really well-crafted book. I could read it with ease. I'm not just saying it for the sake of saying it. It was nicely broken up with lots of little quotations, Linus Pauling and various others. And I thought, Fantastic, you know, so really pleased that you could join us today. Now, getting things done is not yeah. getting things done is not a time management uh, principle, is it? You can't manage time. Anybody who thinks they can manage time is just fooling themselves. You don't mismanage five minutes, come up with four and a half or six. Time just is. It's yeah. a factor like your finances or, or space. It's a factor to be incorporated into all of your strategies and all of your things you're doing. But yeah. that's not what you manage. No. And, and I think that's where people tend to go wrong in that they tend to think that they can basically manage time. But tell us a little bit about the – and I don't want to give too much away because I think people should buy the book. It's an excellent book. Tell us a little bit about some of the core concepts. And I use the word core for a reason. I'll explain later. But tell us the principles behind it. What is, what is – how do you get things done in a nutshell? Well, first of all, you need to define what done means and what doing looks like. It's a thought process most people have actually not actually applied to a lot of the things that have their attention. And so I just uncovered the best practices about how do you manage your thinking process about all the commitments you have and an organizational system so you can build an external brain because your head is a crappy office. 
Yeah. And most people are trying to use their head as their executive office. It sucks. It did not evolve to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships between more than, guess how many things? Four. By the way, how many things, Sonny, and your bank account and your other and any of the numbers that you're given that you need to track are grouped into either three or four things because your brain can only manage four at max in terms of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, I discovered years ago, you know, based upon what I uncovered in terms of best practices that your head is just a terrible office. So you need to externalize all that stuff. You need to get it out of your head mm-hmm. and, and not try to use your head to, to make, you use your head to make priority decisions, but not your head to remember, remind all the stuff you need to decide about. <laughs> that it does not do well. And so uncovering a way to externalize all the things that you're engaged with, have commitments about, have interest in, need to make decisions about, et cetera, in an external forum, that's a key element of this methodology is to get that out of your head. Mm-hmm. Then there are some other things you need to do. You need to then make uh, discrete decisions about what those things mean, what you're going to do about them. That's the clarify process. So step one is to capture the stuff that has your attention. I need capture that. I need a vice president. I need to decide whether we should adopt or not. I, you know, you need to capture any of those things that got, that you're rattling around in your in your head in that bad office. And get them out of your head, so that then your head is freed up to be more an executive about what do I do about adoption? What do I do about a vice president? What do I do about cap food? And then get you to make the right decisions about those things, and then have some sort of external brain or system, whether that's your calendar or a a grocery list on your fridge or a list of errands you need to run or a list of things to bring up at your board meeting. You need to have, you know, just a content of all the stuff you've come up with that you need to be reminded about that you need to do that move yourself forward and appropriately engage with the commitments you have. And you need to then reflect on all that stuff on some consistent basis. So you make confident choices about what you're doing. And probably most important, Sonny, is that you're just present with whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. So your brain is freed up to not have to do any of that kind of stuff because you've built a system to help you do that mm-hmm. and free up the mind to then make good, intuitive, spontaneous choices or strategic choices about your options. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the, the important bit, isn't that, I guess, which is capture. Um, now, in, in well, your so it's, a, it's it's the important first thing. It's the important first thing, right? So I'll let you carry on now. <laughs> well, uh, uh, everybody listening or watching this has got some sort of to do list somewhere, I imagine. Oh yeah, I mean right? I've got tons of them. <laughs> yeah, but the, those to do lists produce as much stress as they relieve, simply yeah. because they're reminding you of stuff you still haven't decided what exactly you're going to do about that thing you wrote down. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about mom? What are you going to do about the bank? What are you going to do mm-hmm. about the tooth that hurts? What are you going to do about the vice president that you need to hire? Right. And you haven't yet finished your thinking relative to the commitments that you've captured. So yeah. capture is the first step. What are all the things I need to decide about? Yeah. And then step two is then decide about them. Is that trash? Is that reference? Is that a, maybe someday I might want to do that? Is that a, I need to move on that? What would moving look like? And so forth. And you need to make some some pretty discreet decisions you know, operationally about what those things mean to you. And then if you can't finish those things in the moment, you need to park some reminder somewhere you trust. Just like if you use your calendar to know you needed to talk to me tonight. Yeah. Right. What did you do? You parked that somewhere you trusted. You trusted to look at your system so you didn't have to keep thinking about that all the time. Mm-hmm. So that that's all it is. I, I didn't make this up, Sonia. I just mm-hmm. I just recognized what we do that 
allows us to free our mind from things we're committed to, not finish them. Now, some things you can finish in two minutes, you should. But anything longer than that, you need to just keep track of it. What does it mean to you? How do you create the larger context of your commitments and be able to see all that as a, as a single gestalt right. in any way? So you feel comfortable to taking a nap or having a beer or watching your kid play football without being on your iPhone. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I, maybe when I look at things uh, over the years, as I've got older and older and older, I've suddenly realized that maybe I need to rationalize on my list because you can get list fatigue, um, uh, over overcomplicate things as well. We've done a lot of shows recently with people like Dave Snowden on the Kinevin complexity uh, um, framework and various others. So, okay, once I've captured it, what what do I do next then? You need to make a decision about what those things mean to you. Mm. What you captured is either trash, reference material, or something you might want to move on, not now, but later. So you have, you know, either trash, reference material, or a someday maybe or on hold category, right? If it is something you need to move on, a bill you need to pay, uh, some email you have to respond to, something that email tells you you've got to do, mm. then you have to say, yeah, this is an actionable thing. This is something I need to take action on. First of all, what's the very next action you need to take? Is that an email you need to send, a website you need to surf, a conversation with your life partner you need to have? What's the very next thing you, we need to do to, to get closure, clarity, or finality on this? Right. And then, by the way, if one action won't finish it, what's the project or what's the outcome you're committed to that you need to keep track of till it's done? Oh, I need to get tires in my car. I need to hire the vice president. I need to increase my bank line. I need to decide and get clarity about whether I'm going to get divorced or not or adopt or not. Right. So you need to then get clear about those kind of outcomes. Those are not on your to-do list. What's on your to-do list are things most people haven't even written those things down, and they should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on any kind of a list external out of their brain and then make those kind of decisions. And then they need to have some sort of a system that reminds them, okay, the next step about divorce or not is hmm, phone call with my friend who got divorced. Let me see if he had a counselor I should use. Or, you know, that's something I need to talk to my wife or my husband or my life partner about, you know, right now we need to have that serious conversation next step. Or I need to sit down and draft ideas about good news, bad news, you know, Whatever it is, I, you know, I don't know. I don't coach people about the content. I just coach people about the process they need to, to go through to be able to then feel comfortable that they're appropriately engaged with that instead of the victim of it. Right. So step two is to, and two and three are very closely associated. I need to decide what to do about it. And then I need to keep track of that as a reminder. So I see that. So my brain gets to let go of remembering, oh yeah, when I'm in the board meeting, I need to bring this up. Or, oh, yeah, when I'm out for errands, I need to go buy these things. So I need some sort of a thing so that my brain goes, okay, I don't have to keep remembering that. I just pull up the list and see what I've come up with. Mm -hmm. And then step four, so there's capture, clarify, organize, organize, and then reflect. You need to then look at your list. If you go out for errands, look at your errands list. <laughs> don't go, wow, I forgot to look at my list. I should have picked up, duh. You know, so you need to look at your stuff. You need to look at your calendar just for the next day or two or week to see, mm -hmm. you know, where, locate yourself in space and time. Mm -hmm. So there's a backup and reflection process you need to do about all that, you know, huge amount of inventory of commitments and the details involved in them. And then step five is engage. How do I then put my attention and my activity toward the best thing right now? 
And that's hard to do if you're being driven by latest and loudest, and most people are, simply because they don't trust they've got the whole inventory and they just hope that what they're doing. And so, you know, there's an old saying that you 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 never get enough of what you don't really need. Mm -hmm. Right? You never you can never work hard enough to get rid of the ambient anxiety that's sitting there. And a lot of people get in the busy trap. Let me just work harder. Let me sweat more. Let me do more to get rid of this anxiety that I'm maybe not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. eh, wrong, wrong approach. Wrong not, approach. Not, yeah. not the way to do it. So I just uncovered the algorithm that you need to take, that you need to walk yourself through, through all of these things that show up in your life, little, big, personal, professional, doesn't matter. Anything that's got your attention. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you, you don't, <laughs> you're not disturbed by, I don't think your next door neighbor or your cousin probably right now, unless they have some issue you're involved with, they've got their own game. You need to figure out what your game is about any of them or about any of that stuff. And then figuring, I just figured out the, the formula that you need to apply to do that. And you're not born doing that. You actually, you're not born knowing how to read. You're not born knowing how to cook spaghetti. You're not born knowing how to raise children. These are things you need to learn. You're not born knowing how to manage the flow of work and how to define what your work is. And especially in the last 150 years, since knowledge work showed up, where you actually had to think to know what to do, mm -hmm. as opposed to what to do was so in front of you from either a survival mode or that was just so obvious in terms of the work, your, your work, mm -hmm. you know, your work. But nobody's been in that world for 100 years. Mm -hmm. So... That's a, a short version of, a, <laughs> of a, a, a long years of my research and experience with what it is that we need to do. And then actually applying that with some of the best and brightest and most busiest people on the planet and watching the transformation that happens when people actually do what I just said. Okay, so we capture, clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. That's that's basically the crux, the principles. Like you said, it's an algorithm. You 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 thought about well, that's it. How you get, that's so, how you get control. Right. It, for instance, if you're in your kitchen, if you like to cook, yeah. you have a kitchen, you have a cook, yeah, you like to cook or whatever. You ever come in, it's out of control. I'm a, you, you I'm a terrible clean. cook. My wife won't let me anywhere in the kitchen to cook. But anyway. Yeah, right. Well, she when believe me, when she walks in, if you have made it out of control, what she's gonna do? She's gonna capture what's off, what's not where it needs to be. She's going to clarify that's a dirty dish, that's a clean dish, that's a spice, that's good food, that's bad food. She's going to organize, she's going to put those things where they need to go. Yeah. She's then going to step back and reflect on the game. She's then going to make a gestalt decision about what she wants to do for dinner. Mm. You know, Looking at all that thing and how much time she has, she's going to see the larger gestalt from a, from a higher horizon. And then what's she going to do? She's going to pull out butter and melt it to make the appetizer. So... Mm. I didn't make this up. Ask any good chef. Ask anybody that loves to, to work in their kitchen. That's what they do. That's what everybody does. I just recognize, and those are actually very different events, but it's how you get your kitchen under control. It's how you get your consciousness under control or how you get your company under control or any enterprise. You, you identify what's off or what's got your attention about it, what needs to change or be made, to, made a decision about or something. Then you decide what does that mean? You know, is that an actionable thing? And, is there some action we need to do? And what's the outcome we're trying to produce? And by the way, who's got it, <laughs> mm. you know, as an outcome. And then you need to make sure we organize the reminders of these things. We're, 
when do we need to be reminded about this and check the status on it and so forth mm -hmm. so that we can then back off and reflect on the current status of the project or the situation. So GTD or the getting things done methodology is nothing but good business. Mm -hmm. The good business of life, the good business of work, the good, that's how you get anything done is yeah. clarify outcomes and clarify actions and then organize those things in appropriate, efficient ways. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to spend you know, energy thinking inappropriately. Well, Barbara's come up with a question, and I'm pleased that we are streaming to Facebook and YouTube. As I said, link, LinkedIn seems to have gone nosediving. But Barbara says, Barbara's in Poland. She says, David, how would you recommend to deal with so many sources of data and lists like Outlook, paper, calendar, voice notes in mobile, our thoughts on sticky notes, et cetera, et cetera? That's a great question. Yeah, beats me. How do you do that? You know, that's what's happened. That's what's changed in the world is how many inputs you have of things that are potentially meaningful to you. So this is a martial art, right? By the end of the day, my email is at zero. My in my mailbox is at zero. Any notes I've taken are zeroed out and organized into my system. But that's not free. That's going to take you at least an hour a day just to deal with new coming, not, mm -hmm. not the backlog. Most people have tons of backlog. If they start to apply this, they're going to take two to three to four days, if not weeks, to actually apply what I just said to the stuff they've allowed accumulate into their life. But even once you're clean, you still need to stay clean. You know, come on. Uh, it, it, I used to sail, I had a sailboat. Believe me, when you when you came into port, you better clean everything up, <laughs> right? Because if you're going out again, a storm may hit and you better not have any rope yeah. that's, that's, that's knotted up. You better not have anything. So ask anybody, who wants, by the way, the, the French chefs have a great phrase, mise en place. Ask a good French chef, what happens before the bell rings for dinner? Everything had better be in its place. Why? Because it's going to get crazy. It's going to get, we're going to have all kinds of stuff we don't expect. That's right. You're most creative and you're most productive when you have the freedom to make a mess. But if you're in a mess, you can't make one. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be messy and fun and have a great dinner tonight and make all kinds of stuff, now, I don't care about the recipe says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I, but I need this, I'm going to do that. So you're going to get crazy. That's fine. I, That's I great, think, as a matter of fact. But you're, you're not going to have the freedom to do that if you start with a messy kitchen. Yeah. I mean, what are the, uh, you and I have something in common. We're into martial arts, and I know you do karate and so on. And, and I love the comment you make in the book, uh, harping it back to a, a good old, good old, well, Hollywood star or whatever, Bruce Lee, and he talks about be like water, be like water. Yeah. And I think when you have so many sources of information, data and lists and so on, I'm an efficiency freak. I'm a process safety guy. I like to think in blocks and I love the flow chart you got in the book as well. It really, really did it for me. Uh, I know people might say, what a sad give. But anyway, it did, it did it for me. Um, and what I liked about it was it is literally like be like water, just just flow, you know. And as Bruce Lee used to say, if you, if you think of a, a flowing stream, if you put a rock in the way or whatever, and so on, it'll flow around it. It'll find its way around it. So maybe the thing to do about overburdening of data and sources and solutions is, as Tony Tony's made a comment, which is saying, select one and turn the others off. But I would say, select one that does work and turn the others off. Maybe that's probably the thing to do. Uh, or if you have plenty of time, take in as much as you want. It depends on how important that input is to you. See, the strange thing is, it's not information overload. 
if information overload was a problem, you walk into a library and die, <laughs> right? And it turns out that the most relaxing place in your world is the most information rich in the world. It's called nature. Yeah. Just walk into nature. You relax. Why? Because there's so many horizons. There's so many different things. If I wanted to drive you crazy, Sonny, I'd put you in a room with no input. It's called sensory deprivation. You go nuts yeah. fast, right? Because your brain actually needs and, 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 and somehow relaxes more when it has all of those potential options. But the problem, the, the difference between nature and your email, <laughs> nature, the number of things that are potentially relevant in nature is minimal. Thunderstorm, maybe, maybe a tiger over there. Oh, there's berries I can eat in, in there and my baby's crying on my back. Yeah, that might be it. Every one of your emails is a potential thunderstorm or berry or snake or baby crying or whatever you just don't know yet, but you've allowed it into your world. So clarifying the things, it's not information overload, it's potential meaning overload. Those things have potential meaning to me, but I haven't determined what the meaning is yet, but I've let them in. Hmm. So you're not bothered by your next door neighbor's email, I don't think. No. Why? That's all <laughs> his. That's all his or her issue. Only you're only dealing with the things that have landed that you've allowed to land into your world. See, I do, I do Instagram, I do LinkedIn, I do Facebook, but to me, it's a cocktail party. I have no commitment to do any of that. I just wander in and out as I might enjoy it or might have fun with it, respond as I might want to. So, but that's different from other people that are just got fired. They need to now leverage their network in terms of how to get a new job and they need to build their brand and so forth. So social media is going to take on a very different level mm -hmm. of meaning to them. Mm -hmm. So it all has to come back to what are you doing? You know, are you using social media and all that input as a way to distract yourself from what you should be doing, given where you're going in your life and work? Or are, are you doing that because that's what you want to do? Is, and it's giving you a lot of times I just do words with friends, you know, playing Scrabble online. Just as a way to relax my brain, you know, I've been I've been cranking down on something I need to produce as, in terms of writing that need that requires thinking. It takes a lot of you know mental real estate and bandwidth. Yeah, and does. I need to rest. And rest could stop, walk around, take the dog out for a pee or poop, you know, or sit down and play a couple of games on my computer just to let my brain relax mm -hmm. and you know let all that stuff reintegrate. So there's no don't shoot the messenger. Like, don't shoot the media for what it's giving you. You need to just, it just makes it more conscious about why am I getting that? How important is that to me? And it could be a fun factor. There's absolutely nothing, nothing wrong with a fun factor. As a matter of fact, you need that, you know, somewhat yeah. regularly just let the brain relax. I, I mean, when I, when I sort of thought it'd be great to talk to David about this, the reason, the reason that I was really attracted to the concept and what you're putting forward is that, in my in my line of work in risk and safety management and the clients that I work for and and the environment that I'm in, we have a big issue going on right now, um, which is to do with health and well-being. And most of the time, we find people are fatigued. They they they're zombied out because they they're now bludgeoned with so many things to do on their to-do list that they are actually finding it well, you know, an overload, a sensory overload. So the reason for talking to you about this, this concept and this book and, and, and the values you've described there is because I want people to watch this and say, 
yeah, I could do with a little bit of help in it. I mean, you don't need to go and see a shrink or a psychiatrist, and just just get a get a get a bit of a, an idea in terms of those uh, dimensions that you mentioned of capture, organize, so on. And I think that gives them a good baseline. Do you think then that this book will play a big part in terms of helping people out of this quagmire of um, well, mental issues to do with overloading overloading of tasks? Sure, sure. If you don't. If you don't know what you're not, you can't feel comfortable about what you're not doing unless you know what you're not doing. Mm -hmm. By the way, everybody's going to relax a lot if they're fire, if they're building caught in fire right now. Why? Because mm -hmm. you then yeah. renegotiate every one of your agreements. You don't care about your taxes. You don't care about new tires on your car. You don't care about what your kids are going to do. You don't mm -hmm. care about building your new home office that you have to live in. You care about living. Get out of the building, right? Mm -hmm. So you get a very clear focus called outcome called live. And then you make very clear, distinct next action decisions. That door, that door. We should I go? No, da da da. And toward your outcome. You know, any good soccer player or football player, that's when they're on the field, what do they do? Where's mm -hmm. the goal? What's the next play? Mm -hmm. Those are their two key elements of their thinking. So, you know, if you could simplify your life to a crisis <laughs> in a way, in a strange way, you get more relaxed. A lot of people move into their zone in a crisis because it forces them into that context. The problem is if you don't have that kind of real physical crisis in front of you, you got a bigger crisis because all the demons at the gate are going to come rushing through. Oh my God, Sonny, you could do this, but you could do this, but your neighbor's doing this. My God, they're raising their kids. Their kids are listening to Mozart at age three. They're going to be able to get into Harvard or into Oxford and your and your kids are not. Oh my God, what are you going to do? But there's a class down there. I could take that. Oh my God. Oh my God. And it's Mental breakdown time. <laughs> What's the stress of opportunity? You just I mean, that, spoiled. Yeah, you think that, you could do? You think you could do any of that? I mean, that that's just chatter and noise and in, in the in the confines of our of our lobes, isn't it? It's just it's just it's, uh, it's not just chatter and noise. Those are all meaningful things. They all have meaningful results. They all showed right. up because of meaning meaningful things that matter to you. Right. So you can't you can't denigrate the idea that that the overwhelm a lot of people are feeling is the stress of opportunities because they're focused on opportunities. Oh my God, how many things could I do? So the only way to thread yourself through, you know, getting on top of that is to decide which of those opportunities are really critical. Which ones make the biggest difference to you? Mm. Should you have a beer right now or should you work on the business plan? Should you spend quality time with your daughter right now because she hasn't seen you in a couple of days? Or should you, you know, talk to your partner about that hard, the tough issue you need to deal with? You know, yeah. you don't, you're not going to get rid of the, the, the challenge of constantly making strategic decisions about anything you do. I don't, I don't care what that is. Even if you're in the simple world of you're a native, you know, a, a, a native person living in nature, you're still going to have to decide, do I spend time with my crying kid or do I worry about the tiger that might be coming out yeah. of that cave? You know, so you don't get rid of decision making and choices of options. It's just now there are just so many options and most people are confused about which option to even consider. And so most people have made a lot of more internal commitments than they're conscious of. So a lot of what I uncovered is, look, guys, you, you guys need to sort of throw up. <laughs> Sorry if you don't don't mind the expression. You need to sort of just regurgitate all of the things you've committed to. And most people have no clue how many things they've committed to. Oh, I should do this. I might want to do this. Oh, I should. I, but what if? And yeah. And da, 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 da. so my process was just a way to just start to objectify 
what all those things are, make you more conscious about them. So when I coach people, and I've coached some of the best on the planet with this work, and they're not doing The reason they bring me in is they're up to here. They already know they're successful. <laughs> the funny thing is the people most attracted to my work are the people who need it the least. They're already the most successful, aspirational, organized, systematic people that you'd ever meet in your life. That's why they got where they are. The mm. problem is, is all that has created so many more opportunities that they don't feel like they can take advantage of anymore. They're up to here. Mm. They wake up with million dollar ideas and don't know where to put them or what to do with them or who to give them to and don't trust who they give them to. So <laughs> that's a lot wow. of my work spent in the last 10 or 20 years yeah. is working with people at that level of game, trying to get them to more, get more clear about the objective of what they're trying to do with all that and make sure those, and I don't tell them what they should, what their strategy is. I'm not a consultant about strategy or content of what you do. I know how to give you a process that allows you to get much clearer about your own commitments and agreements that then allow you to back off and see that in a much clearer way. I've never coached an executive and I coached hundreds and hundreds and spent thousands of hours with them. I've never had any one of them go through this process with me in you know one or two or three days that n didn't go, oh my God. Mm. Okay, I got a whole different way to see my next two to three weeks whole different way to see them in my next six to 12 months or the whole different way to see my life simply because I got them to get all that out of their head and then take a look and back off from the spin that they've created internally. Yeah. Which is, that's the demon. I mean, the, the thing, the thing is that you can speak from a real strong position of experience because uh, I mean, what well, you've held 35 jobs during the course of your early, early stages. And I think each one of those will be classed as life experiences. Um, <laughs> I, read that on, I read that on Wikipedia, by the way. It was quite an interesting profile you've got on Wikipedia. There are some bits on there which was like eye-popping. Um, but I, I thought to myself, if anyone can talk about this stuff and how to get things done, it has to be David. Um, I, 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 going back to Barbara's comment about recommend to deal with so many sources of data. I mentioned at the beginning of this um, session, I talked about stuff. In your book, you have a section specifically about stuff, haven't you? How, just tell us, without again, going too much into detail, but how would you define stuff? Things you've collected, but haven't decided exactly what they mean or where they need to go or what to do about them. Right. And, and you and said earlier by the, way, that by, by the way, Sonny, interestingly, my book has been translated into 30 languages, plus <laughs> there are very few cultures that have a word for stuff. Really? In Spanish, cosas is one, and I think there's one in, in Dutch that's somewhat similar, but most people don't have a word for exactly what that is. Wow, uh, I'm shocked. But stuff, stuff just means, you know, come on, um, stuff. Stuff is the stuff that shows stuff up. Stuff is everywhere, you, though, isn't it? No, oh, wait, wait, wait. A good, good example of stuff is things that wind up in your huh stacks. <laughs> you open up an email and you go, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and you close it up again. That is now stuff. <laughs> Why didn't you delete it? Because mm, mm, there might be something to do about that mm, in the future. That, yeah. is, that is that is now stuff, or anything that you've, you know, anything you've collected that that you say, oh, what am I going to do about that? I don't know. 
that's stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. As a matter of fact, that's the reason for an in-basket. That's a reason for a strange electronics drawer, you know, in your office. Because you show up and go, I don't know what this thing is. This thing, you know, it's an attachment to something. I might need it. I don't know what it is, but it's stuff. And that's fine as long as you have that stuff in that drawer. <laughs> I have a drawer like that. I have a drawer of my electronic stuff. I, you know, either stuff died, but I thought the, the charger might still work, so I might need that or, you know, or, or, or something. I don't know what that's attached to, but it looks important. <laughs> so I just throw it in there. That's okay, because that's, I've now organized that. That's no longer stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's electronic gear that is potentially useful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've now clarified what that is. I've now organized it appropriately. It's no longer stuff in that way. It's mm-hmm. stuff if it's lying around. Right. Anybody listening or watching this, look around your wherever you are sitting right now. What have you not decided what it means, what you're going to do with it, but you know you need to do something with it. That's stuff. Well, uh, my, my, my wife is, my wife gets very angry with me because I declutter on a regular basis and I have a golden <laughs> rule. If you've not used it recently, have you used it in the past? Was it useful? If it is, well, hang on to it a bit more. But if you've not used it and you're just keeping it because you think you're going to use it in the future and you haven't used it for the last five years, well, do something different with it, you know? So my, my wife gets really angry because I, I, I shed clothes all the time I, I give them away to charities and things and she said how do you know you're not going to need it something so I said it's just stuff right just stuff hanging around <laughs> I mean I've got I've got nearly three terabytes of data and I go through it every now and then I think why the hell am I doing this right 2.5 terabytes <laughs> of it I, I don't Me even too. use I, it I, I, I do the same thing, yeah, same thing. <laughs> now one of the other things you talk about which I'm a but, big, by the way that's either enjoy that or feel guilty that you haven't done it. Ah, well, big difference. Yes. Yes. Big difference. See, I don't care. I don't, I'm not the, you know, whatever the Japanese woman is, you know, uh, who says clean everything up. If it, if it doesn't turn you on, throw it away. I go never. I have, I, I have two advices about notes to keep. Right. When in doubt, throw it out. And when in doubt, keep it. Well, that's that's brilliant. I mean, Tony says <laughs> it's like that. That's it. it well, I think I think that's great. Keep, keep it simple. You know, why why come up with all sorts of big fancy ways of thinking? It? Tony says currently transferring data from one failing iMac, wow, iMac to a new one, found lots of stuff, stuff again, right? And he says got oh, seven tera hit. Look, Tony's comparing <laughs> sizes now. That's not fair. He's got seven terabytes. Okay. All any of you have to do is move. <laughs> I've got terabyte envy now. I'm going to have to create more stuff. <laughs> no, Catherine and I, we just bought an apartment in Amsterdam, and now we're moving again. And we're pretty minimalist, both of us. Mm. So we, we don't keep any books we're not attending to read or might want to give with somebody else. We give them away. We don't keep any clothes that we haven't used. We give them away. So we're, we're very minimalist, but we're still uncovering stuff. I don't care how good you are, whatever kind of space you have, you will fill up with stuff, right? Just because that's just, there's something about that that, 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 that just seem part, seems to be part of human nature. But that's such a great thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. It was like, wow, I thought that was going to be useful back then. But now we're not back then. I'm now. 
See, everything in the center drawer, if anybody's got a desk with a drawer in it, everything belonged there at one point, right? Those ballpoint pen refills, that was exactly the place to hold them. However, you threw the ballpoint pen away two years ago. <laughs> now that's now that's stuff. <laughs> and then they go, where is that ballpoint pen? I just need it. I should have kept it five years ago, you know? It's funny, though, you never, you never lose track of that stuff. It's always there, isn't it? I mean, when you, you, you think well, I don't need it. But, yeah, but there's, something, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's in the place where you've named it. Ah, right. See, there, there are a lot of indigenous tribes that don't want to give you their name because if you have their name, you own them. Oh, why? Okay. And the same thing is true. If you haven't named something, it owns you. You name it, you own it. Mm. So you could have a drawer called electronic stuff. I don't know what the hell to do with. It's in there. I own that. That's my electronic stuff. I don't know what to do with. You just have to make sure that you met your own agreement about regurgitating through that on some consistent basis to make sure that's still okay to leave mm. that in there. You know, so like you did, you know, curate your stuff on some, like you do when you move or, you know, whatever, you know, it's going, to, well, that was useful at that point, but now it's no longer, right? Or you could just say, here's all the crap I just can't decide about. Fine. Create a folder of crap I didn't decide about in your email or whatever. And some part of you walks free, mm -hmm. believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Anybody's got a bunch of stuff in your life you don't know what to do with it. It's like, oh my God, I got to get crap. Get yourself a big cardboard box label it crap i don't know what to do with and put it all in there mm. you walk free yay dude that's all the stuff i don't want to deal with so all you need to do is name it in terms of what it means to you if you don't do that all that crap you don't know what to do with is spread all over your life and then in then creates this grayness this ambient anxiety to your life mm. because mm. you haven't named it you haven't gotten rid of it it all feels that way mm. Mm. Now, now, forgive me for this. Go through all the go through all, go through all the books on your bookshelf. Called, Why do you still want to have them on your bookshelf? Yeah, I, I just have a few books like this. So, <laughs> so listen to reread uh, once a year. Listen, uh, my my daughter gets very angry because I make so many marks in books. You know, things that I I, I do. I, I believe that when you write something, you've got a greater chance of remember it than if you type it on a keyboard or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, good, good idea. Uh, now, I want to go back to something I said earlier about core. Why did I say core as an Apple core, C-O-R-E? I like to think of things that mnemonics or whatever you want to call them, which help me remember things in the future. You know, so I thought, how can I remember David's book if I have to get things done? So I thought, of course, C-O-R-E, right? Um, because I know that I capture things. That's fine. I've got lots of stuff I'm capturing. So the, the foundations for me were all about clarify, organize, reflect, and engage. That is the core. So the core of what I need to do is in those four bits. And it's, it's who, really, it's really, it's somebody has called it core. Core, right? Okay. It's, there's it's a, the there's a film seeds. about that, isn't there? It's or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a question, which is. Um, even having done this and come up with a way of doing things, have you found it always helpful? Have you found those approaches always helpful? Or have you thought to yourself, you know, I missed something. I should have added this bit or that bit or this bit. No, always helpful. That's like, well, it was learning to read always helpful. 
was learning how to cook spaghetti always helpful? Mm. Was learning the best practice to deal with, you know, a problem with your kid always helpful? Of course. This is this is not this is not some external template of mm. of some extra thing to build into your life. This is how you actually get things done. It's how you manage your life. Mm. Again, I didn't make it up. I just recognized it. So you can't. That's why you know it took me 25 years to realize what I'd realized, and nobody else seemed to have done it quite in the same way. That's why I wrote the book, just to create a manual. So in case I got run over by a bus, at least it was a, out there as a manual that somebody could at least see, you know, what I'd uncover after all this. And it, it is so sorry the paradox is it's so simple. Well, I, I, I hope is, you don't mind me saying this, but I think you're too humble. I think I think what you've actually done is you may have put it into a bottle and it's a genie in a bottle but I think if you actually unwrapped it opened it up there are things in this book that people will find extremely helpful and as I said I'm I'm a process guy and I like to think in blocks and I like to move in blocks and go back and repeat and so on and and really if anyone's in a situation as as a few are on uh, from the comments on here they should actually go and invest in the book get it and have a read of it i i don't normally recommend books but i certainly have done one this year by daniel coyle called the culture code and i would certainly recommend this book um now if you're thinking about where i'm picking on some other things in the book that i've highlighted specifically i hope you don't mind when you when you talk about things like our jobs and lives keep changing for example how do you think getting things done is going to change now that we are in this well strange world of pandemics and post pandemics and things do you think there's going to be more in terms of having these sort of approaches of getting things done of course we're seeing it already mm. you know, get this this methodology shows up in major change and surprise I can't tell you the legions of testimonials we have. Called, oh my God, David, thank God when X happened. Found out I had a cancer, you know, 9-11 happened. They, they exploded my staff out of the World Trade Building and I had to reconfigure everything. Or, uh, gee, I just discovered X, Y, and Z. Or now I have to live from home. I don't care what those are the people who really have this methodology under the belt are going, okay, now apply it. Okay. What's the new situation? What are the new things I need to do? How do I need to keep track of now what I've now committed to given this new world? How do I integrate new data? How do I recalibrate now all of my commitments and then refocus appropriately? So this is the martial art. That's all a martial artist ever did. Mm. So anybody ever does that's in that kind of situation where things happen, you don't expect. How do I integrate it? How do I understand it? How do I recalibrate my resources? How do I refocus? So the, the you know, those are <laughs> five steps. Oh, sorry. So, so that's just what you need to do. And so in these kind of situations, that's where this, the, the problem is, is these behaviors, you're not born doing them. You're not born knowing how to read or cook spaghetti or do any of these things. You actually need to learn these processes and they're actually a cognitive muscle you need to train mm -hmm. what is this thing it has my attention okay what how do i recognize what has my attention what do i do with that i write it down now now what do i need to do to think about that 
that's a cognitive muscle you need to train. Believe me, I've worked with the best and brightest on the planet and they have to train that muscle because they haven't learned that yet. They've kind of got a lot of that instinctively. That's what I've got them where they are. But to, to understand that as an objective process that they need to apply with their parents now, new elder care they got to handle or the, 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 you know, they're out of control, they're, they're out of date, you know, uh, investment uh, portfolio that they need to now do something about, or, you know, should I get divorced? You know, all those kinds of things, starting to understand, wait a minute, you need to start to grab those things, you know, objectify them, make a decision about them. You have to train yourself to do that. It doesn't happen automatically. Believe me, I, <laughs> I got hundreds of thousands of people that would validate that because mm -hmm. we've walked those people through that kind of training to get them to just think about it. We don't tell them what they need to think about. We just tell them how to think about what's got their attention so that it gets them off their mind so they get more present and mm. are not distracted by those things. Mm. There's a couple of things you've said there which really resonates with me. Um, I interviewed Larry Sen not long ago, and he had an expression which is be here now. And I think when you talk about the presence, I think it really sort of makes sense to me that you've got to be here now, not. Well, not that, was, sort of... that was Ram Das. He stole that from Ram Das. So sorry, that wasn't Larry Sin. I know. Oh, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought. Um, and then the other, the other one is um, Professor Scott Geller. Way back in 2018, when I sort of uh, started chatting to him, we kept saying practices, uh, practice makes perfection. But he said, no, practice makes permanence. You know, and it, it just stayed in my head. So what you're saying is that when you've got all this stuff to deal with, keep practicing it, and eventually you'll find a way of making it a permanent habit, a habitual change. Is, have I oversimplified it there or? No, no, and that's the biggest issue. You know, Charles Dewey, the guy who wrote, you know. Yeah, The Power of Habit. The, the Power of Habit, and Charles is a great friend and a big champion of my stuff. Mm. And a lot of these are habits you need to build. Mm. I mean, if you if I made a commitment with you right now, Sonny, mm. I said, oh yeah, I'll get back to you about that. Believe me, automatically, I'm gonna grab my pen and this and write that down. Or if I didn't have that available to me, I'm going to pull this out of my pocket and write that down because that's a habit I had for the last 35 years. I hate anything that I've made any commitment about, little or big, rattling around and you know taking up cognitive real estate that should be available for better stuff. So I've learned that's a habit and it takes most really sharp people a couple of years to actually mm -hmm. build that habit mm -hmm. where you feel uncomfortable if you make a commitment walking down the hall with somebody that you don't write it down. Mm. I, th you know? I think you've been reading so my brain as well because I, I have the same things as you. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I tend to go from a mobile phone to this and so on. But I found, going back to Barbara's comment, is that sometimes you have to make it's like the center of a cobweb. You have to make it all go to the same point. Otherwise, you end up with bits of data everywhere and you have no idea what's going on. And for right. me, if I, if I want to manage uh, a lot of information, I, I have a central point where it all goes to. So if I make a note on here, like if I do a fitness thing tonight, I'll make a note here, come back. But you have to get into discipline as well. I think discipline is really important. No, you don't agree? I hate, I hate the word discipline. I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, I I would I would change the word to direction. Okay. I need to direct. I need to direct because discipline. You know, some it, it's kind of like the dirty word of productivity. All those have a lot of baggage with them in terms of just uh, more guilt, more stuff to do. Oh my god, I have to discipline myself. I'm already buried. I don't have time to discipline myself. No, but you. It's easy to direct yourself. When you look at that email, how do you direct your thinking about it? 
do you direct your thinking call, oh, huh, and close it up again? Or do you direct your thinking call, wait a minute, what is this? Is there something I need to do about it? Can I finish it in two minutes? Okay, if not, where do I keep track of what I need to do? And then dump it out of in. So you still have a clean in basket. So that's a that's a directive process. I understand what you mean. Yes, you need to then train yourself to direct yourself habitually in the mm. appropriate ways, but mm. it doesn't take more work. You don't break a sweat well, yeah. deciding a next action or something. No. Well, do you think then that the expression that comes to mind is the lunatics have taken over the asylum? Do you think that all this psycho babble of talking about discipline and this and that and so on, do you think we've overcomplicated things then? Is it just a case of direction? Uh, it's been true since the world. You know, come on. All kinds of people out there that find something that's useful and they want to make a, a business out of it, and that's fine. Mm. And a lot of it's cool. A lot of it's cool stuff. Why not? Mm. Nothing wrong with any of that. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we just didn't, we, the things have emerged. It's kind of like you know, like getting things done. When I wrote it, I I had no idea how many people would buy into it. How I just need to get out of my head and get it into a book. So that it was out there available as a manual for whoever wanted it or might be interested in it. And it turns out that my, my publisher, Penguin, they'd also published um, Getting to Yes, which was the big uh, sort of negotiation book. And it was still a bestseller 25, 30 years later, simply because they just nailed it. They nailed the core elements of whatever this was. And it's still selling 100,000 plus copies a year. And as old as it is. And every kind of everybody in the world is out there copied all this stuff because they just sort of nailed what this was. And I think GTD sort of did that. So I'll be less than humble and say, yeah, I uncovered something nobody really uncovered. That is the basics of this. This won't change. When you're flying to Jupiter in 100 years, you still need an basket. You still need to decide what am I going to do about the stuff that's not right yet? What's the next action? Who's got it? You're still going to need to have some sort of organizational process that you can step back and review and see what's going on so you can land or so you can take off. You know, come on, duh. I don't mean to be, you know, sort of angry or, but I, you know, I'm 75. No, so you're not. You're not being, I, I think, I think, I think you put it across <laughs> quite eloquently. I mean, look, if you were to open your book there uh, for you and Catherine, I know you're in Amsterdam now, is it? So, so yeah. if you, what, what's, what's the big getting things done plan for David, for Mr. and Mrs. Allen then going forward? What do you want to get done for the next <laughs> Well, get our new puppy under cruise control, <laughs> so, she's not, so she's not peeing in our apartment. You know, so there, there's one. We get decided to get a new puppy. That'll that'll keep you alive and well. Believe me, that's big work. Uh, new apartment. We just bought one, and major renovations going on. We thought it would be done by now, but it's going to take another two or three months because we just had big ideas and so forth. So, you know, those are those are two big sort of personal projects. And you know, my big project in the world is to is to you know create a world where there's where people perceive problems as projects. Mm. So we have a big mission about that. And we've got major partners around the world now that we've been able to create an, an elegant training program, you know, to certify trainers and coaches about this methodology. And so we're in 90 countries now and, and kind of all over the world doing mm. this work mm. with a lot of partners and a lot of licenses. Great folks, a great network of people out there doing wonderful work, you know, about this stuff. In the UK, by the way, Next Action Associates, you know, they are there are partners there, and so we, we've got a, we have a you know that's been our last ten or fifteen years to try to how do we scale this thing we came up with could have fooled me, you know I didn't know how to do that and then we had people come to us who seemed to know how to be able to take good intellectual property like what we've come up with, 
and try to scale it in a in a way we maintain quality control and and so forth about all that. So that's been a lot of our work, and so a lot of my work still is that. And frankly, Sonny, I've been I've done over two thousand interviews and podcasts since the book was published. I still doing two a week. You know, just simply wow. because people people get going. Oh my God, David. I just uncovered this. How do we do this? And they have their own networks to do this. And now, because I guess because we've got such a virtual world, as you know, there are a lot of people now in the podcast business and the interview, the interview business. So I'm happy to just share all that with anybody who wants to know this material because it just does nothing but improve the planet. Right? Anything anybody does, and you don't have to do this whole thing. You can do any one little piece of what I just said, mm-hmm. and it will improve your life and everybody around you. Mm-hmm. So. But- you know, thank oh, I'm, 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 a... I'm very glad you gifted that to the world. I mean, last year was a bit of an epiphany for me because I went through a whole year of, um, well, maybe the first half of the year, not knowing why I was doing all this stuff. And towards the end of the year, I, I found an expression which described it quite, um, quite well, which is ikigai, uh, which is, you know, all about finding something, do, do what you love and uh, help the world. And I think you found your ikigai with what you've been doing with getting things done helping i would think an enormous number of people out there in terms of well getting their stuff together so uh i can only say that it's been a real pleasure talking to you the, the i'm very very disappointed that linkedin didn't work i've got a ton of messages coming in here from my colleagues saying that linkedin is down and it's been hacked so i have no idea whether i've been hacked or others have been hacked uh, it's a hacking cascade i would suspect um can I can I just say that I'm really honored to have you on the show. What I'll do with this is I'll make a recording of it. I'll put it on YouTube and then I'll let the people on LinkedIn notice it. But may I ask you a favor? Would sure. you be willing to come back on? Well, I have another um, uh, thing going called Academy. These are all nonprofit type things. In the Academy, what I'd like to do is get you on an event with a few other people where we can actually help them, really help them in terms of shape and discuss and so on and so forth. If you're agreeable to that, I know you've got vast amount of things to do. I would be more than honored. No, all fine. That's a lot of what I do. That's my work these days. So happy to happy to help. Well, David, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm terribly sorry that the gods of LinkedIn weren't on our side today. <laughs> uh, but what I'd like to do- I'm sure there's do... probably some ultimate cosmic reason well, well, yeah, is for the best. For the best, that's my approach to life. Yeah, LinkedIn didn't get things done for us today, but anyway, there you go. <laughs> um, on that cheesy, cheesy comment, all I've got to say is, David, please hang on as the as the uh, outro goes, and I'll just catch up with you. And thank you ever so much for being on the show today. God bless you. My pleasure, Sonny. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and sharing some of your time with us on the show today. I hope you found that enjoyable. We certainly love putting these shows together and trying to engage with the community out there. If you have any thoughts or any comments or any suggestions, please just whack us an email on live at redrisks.com and always happy to hear from you. Once again, if you miss any of the shows, head over to the YouTube channel, Red Risks, and you'll find all the shows are uploaded there. Catch up next time. Thanks. Stay safe. Stay well.